you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and it's wonderful to have you joining me from wherever you are. So this podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, um, I absolutely believe that every single person has more capability, more brilliance, more awesomeness in them than they than they are currently living and breathing. And this podcast is really uh, my opportunity to show you how true that is. The guests that I invite to join me on this podcast all have a story to share in terms of where they've come from and where they are heading to, and equally insights to share in terms of uh, IP, genius, ideas, musings, insights of what it takes to become better tomorrow than you are today. So it's wonderful to have you here. I am beyond pumped at my next guest that you'll be hearing from today. Um, Erica Kramer describes herself as the queen of confidence. She is an international confidence coach and hugely popular five-star podcast host. Her downloads are at the million and she has an international following. She is from the US originally and now living here in Melbourne. She's been described as the Cardi B of the personal development world. Yep, she's. Uh, she says she's full-flavored, spicy, inspirational, and she's got a huge dose of heart and humor. Um, I actually met Erica probably, um, as she corrected me on this podcast, five to six years ago. And I met Erica when she had recently arrived in Australia. She'd had her first child and she was really starting to work out what it was that she wanted to do. At the time, she was styling um, a personal stylist for women with a belief that if women could feel more confident in what they were wearing, that would increase their confidence in the work that they're doing. Since then, she has evolved to a podcast host. She hosts events around the world. She is followed by millions. She's written a book called Confidence Feels Like Shit. And uh, she's just incredible in terms of the work that she does. Her story is phenomenal. Uh, She has survived so many traumatic experiences from childhood sexual abuse, uh, from being in and out of the foster care system, from car accidents uh, to self-destruction to a whole heap of loss, having lost her first husband. But she is a beaming and beautiful example of how you can heal your personal story to transform trauma into triumph, to transform a lack of belief into unleashing your brilliance. This podcast is awesome. So many gems throughout. We talk about the pressure that we put ourselves under, and how perfection erodes connection. Uh, We talk about why we need to take responsibility for everything and who we are becoming, and how if you pay attention, your life will actually speak to you, giving that inner voice um, the airtime that it needs because it's already telling you what it is that you need to do. And as Erica says, um, the best return on investment 
is the one that you take in yourself. So on that note, I want to thank you for investing the time in listening to this podcast. And I hope and wish for you that you get an awesome return on your investment of time through listening to the fabulous Erica Kramer. Enjoy. I am so happy to be here finally, Janine. Thank you for having me. It's just so fabulous to have you here. I do remember the first time we met and you introduced yourself as Erica from America. And, um, you know, just following your journey over these last 10 years, to me, really epitomizes the work that I talk around about unleashing brilliance. So it's such, I'm super excited to be able to share you and your incredible work that you are doing with my audience. So thanks. Thanks for your time today. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's let's just do some real quick fire questions, really, so that people listening can start to get a feel of who you are. So, obviously, you are not from Australia. Where are you from? From Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. But you're living in Melbourne now. That's correct, I, isn't I, it? I'm gonna totally claim being an Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be my claim right now. So I'm in Melbourne, and I, I'm obsessed. I love Australia. I have been here 11 years now. So. Yeah, I'm technically Australian, basically. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm from uh, from the UK originally. I think we, last year, 20 years wow. it's been since I arrived in Melbourne. 1st of December, the year 2000, I arrived in the backpack. But absolutely, I'm Aussie through and through now. Oh. Um, no <laughs> doubt about it. So can you remember what your first job was? Yes, my first job in America when I, like, first ever job? Uh, yeah. Burger King. I worked at Burger King. That was my first job and my and I had two jobs because you know I'm a hustler. So I had Burger King and I had a place that was called Frugal Fannies. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth was that oh. job? So Fanny didn't mean what it means in Australia. Um, yeah. obviously. Frugal Fannies. It was like a bunch of, it was like a warehouse with like old suits and 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 corporate clothing for women, like a big warehouse basically that they sold cheaper clothes and I was working there. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Um, and just really quickly for our listeners, what, what is it that you do now? What are you passionate about and, and what is it that you do now? So now I'm a confidence coach and basically I help women in mindset and business to show up, stand in their voice, take up space, let go of the self-doubt so that they can create life on their terms and they can be who it is that they are in the moment because I feel like we're always ever-changing. So um, that's what I do now and I get to serve women. Uh, I'm obsessed with it and I love it so much. <laughs> it comes out in everything that you do. Um, you've got your own podcast, which is Listen to, what was it? It's nearly a million downloads, isn't it? I think I saw you post the other day. Congratulations on that. Uh, you've got an ever-increasing tribe of incredible clients that you work with and an author having just written and published your, is this your first book? Your very first book, first which is book. a beautiful piece of work. Thank you. And that's where I want to go. So... Erica, this I as I said in the intro, I met you ten years ago ish, I think. And at the time, you had just had your first child, and you were your work at the time was um, in the area of styling. You were helping. Uh, you had a belief that actually, if women could feel better about what they were wearing, it would increase their confidence. What's really interesting in in your book, or what I loved about your book, is 
almost the self-reflection, um, the, the in hindsight journey that you've been on through your life and where that's got you to. So I'd love you to, to maybe think about and share with, with our audience, thinking about you know, some of that stuff in the past, because you, you share quite openly that, you know, you've, you've survived uh, years of traumatic experiences from childhood sexual abuse and being in and out of foster care and horrendous car accidents and loss of loved ones. Is, is there a moment, one moment or two key moments that have really shaped who you are now and the impact that you're having in the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, I, there is definitely there is definitely some key moments, and we met five years ago, woman. It was five because my son's five, isn't it? Oh my god, yeah, he's not ten. Five years ago, not ten. There's me wishing my life away. <laughs> you made it feel like seventeen years passed by, though. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, so I think that one of the key moments that I discovered through you know working with coaches and 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 just mindfulness and therapy and all of the things I did to kind of heal my past was at nine years old I was sexually abused by my mom's boyfriend in the room next door to her and she had a past of sexual abuse she was a single mother she did a fantastic job but she struggled with bipolar disorder so you know in and out of foster care her trying to fight for me she always fought for me she never left me in a home uh, as soon as she came out she came back to get me so. So she always taught me about my body, you know, like my body, my rules, don't touch my body. She always shared that with me. And I never knew why she did. And when I was nine years old and that sexual abuse experience happened and she was in the room next door, I went and spoke to her. I went and told her. So it was the first time in my life that I shared my truth, that I I stood in bravery. I was really nervous to share something like that, as most people that have experienced that are. And she, you know, she received me, but she didn't believe, you know, she was kind of questioning me and I continuously pushed and said, no, this happened, this happened, this happened. And finally, you know, he came to terms with it. She found out and he was deported and taken out and probably arrested or something. And what I realized in that moment was at nine years old through that difficult experience, the justice outspoken, you know, um, I'm, I'm all about, you know, advocating for others. I'm all about being outspoken and speaking my truth and being brave that was born. So although that was a terrible experience, that part of me was born then and there. And that's who I am today. That nine-year-old Erica, she lives in me today. She's the one that when I'm at Baker's Delight and someone's cutting someone and I'm like, hey, she was next, man. Like, don't cut that person. You know, like I have this justice seeking and that was born at nine years old. And that's definitely a moment that I remember um, that, that really built me and where who I am today. Uh, and then the second one was losing my husband. So when my husband passed away uh, in a car accident, And I really numbed out for five years and I didn't realize what that did. I thought that was a waste of time, like that five-year numb out and just uh, deflecting. In the book, I say control, alt, delete. Like I really just wanted to pretend it never happened. But in that moment, I learned deep resilience, you know, what it really means to be resilient and continuously uh, surviving after being like what I felt, I felt like I was traumatized out. So that was a moment where it really, when I came back to do the work on it in Australia, it really allowed me to see who I became from that moment and all of the gems that I could take from that terrible experience to make me compassionate, caring, um, resilient with my clients now. Mm. But that, that journey's been quite a few years, hasn't it? Because, you know, if you go back to nine-year-old Erica or Erica 
you know, losing her husband in that car accident, um, you know, at the time, particularly, you know, this is what you share in the book, you weren't the confident, resilient self. Um, can you can you remember and, and, and even explain, just explain to, to the audiences, who was Erica back then? What what was she like? How how did um, the trauma and the emotional challenge present itself as Erica back then? What was she like? Oh, well, I have an alter she-go, Janine, that we call her, and it was Juanita. <laughs> and Juanita was attitude. She just had an attitude. She had a chip on both shoulders and her back. She was just really angry and um, hard. You know, I felt like a cement block, but inside I was like a gooey gummy bear. And I think that a lot of us that have been through hard things, we we think we need to harden up and toughen up buttercup and just get strong. And really inside, we're dying for a hug. We're dying for a cry. We're dying to be asked, are we okay? And so I developed that early on being made fun of because my mom was bipolar and she did some pretty uh, interesting things growing up in school. And so I would she would always get made fun of. So I grew up fighting on the playground, you know, really hardcore fist fighting and in detention. And I was a really uh, happy kid, but I was, I was like, don't mess with me. Like I'm going to beat you up in the parking lot kind of kid, which is crazy because people that know me now are like, I don't see you like that. I'm like, Oh no, I was, that was me. (laughs) So fighting, you know, detention, all of that. And I could see how I was struggling to find out who I was and the anger and the, the abandonment issues and the confusion and the not fair, you know, my life's not fair. How come those people have it well? And when I would go to a foster home, I I would live with this, you know, white American family that had a fireplace and they would go to summer camp and they had a beautiful, perfect looking life. And then I would go back to my mom with this turbulent situation. So I felt angry. I felt like life had had cursed me. I felt like I was damaged goods. Um, And so how that manifested and played out for me in my life was I attracted men really specifically. I didn't have a father and I, I attracted men into my life that really just proved my own lack of self-belief. It was my own lack that they pointed out. They didn't create it for me. It was already there. They just activated it. So I attracted these men to prove that I wasn't good enough, that I needed love. I needed validation. So I lived, I believe, really in this top level of I'm so awesome, everything's good, but really down below I was like this this soft shell, you know, really weakened and just desiring love and connection, a call for love. And when I met my husband, he he could see that. And he was the only person that I told my whole story to and he didn't I didn't feel shame or guilt. He was kind of like, "Wow, that's amazing. You're so strong. That's so amazing." And he really accepted me. And by him doing that, it allowed me to see that this tough persona who would go out and have a drink and then have 20 drinks and then black out. That's what my past was. I would just drink myself to, you know, I couldn't have a casual drink. And my husband, I joke around and say, man, I was horrible. How did you stay with me? Like I would just be drinking and yelling and going crazy and doing crazy stuff out in the streets. And he's like, you weren't that bad. And I'm like, oh, I I pretty much remember being that bad. So I think that's what was manifesting for me, really just uh, sadness, pain, anger, um, not understanding why and what was happening until I actually met my coach here in Australia. Could I unravel that and really start to take away those concrete layers that were protecting my heart, supposedly? But when you protect your heart with concrete, it means, yeah, no one can hurt you, but you also don't get to feel. So, Mm. yeah. What was the, um, can you remember the moment where, you acknowledged that you needed to do something about it like was there a tipping point because you could have carried on being what was what was the alter ego 
one. You're going to continue being her. But can you remember the moment or what happened where you went enough? Yeah. Enough. This has got to change. What what was that moment? Yeah, I do. I remember it clearly. It was in Australia, actually. I had I had moved to Australia for a man that I met in Las Vegas. I was a hairdresser at the time and we were at a hair conference and I'm like, yep, cool. I'm going to move to Australia. I don't even know where that is. I had no idea of Australia, my radar or my future. And I moved all my stuff and I just came to Australia. And I thought <laughs> that my stuff and my past and my background and all that messy stuff would just stay in America, you know, and it wouldn't follow my follow me and my luggage. And so I came to Australia for him. I lived in Sydney. He was not a good good guy, but shout out to him because I'm here because of that. Uh, and that was a disaster, 11 months. And then I met another guy and I, basically the same guy. It was the same energy, the same pattern. I met him and he lived in Melbourne. So I moved to Melbourne for him. So Janine, what a loser, right? I moved to Australia for this one man in Sydney. Then I moved for another man in Melbourne. And I that guy broke up with me before my birthday. And I had my husband, who was my personal trainer. He was in my life as my personal trainer and my friend. And he was in my life. And I just went, oh my God, I'm such a loser. Like, this is crazy. And I thought, I'm the common denominator here is me. Like, I keep meeting the same guys. I keep experiencing the same things. And I finally was like, it's the common denominator is me. So I had to have a look at me, like myself, you know, and my personal trainer said, hey, I know a coach. And if you want to go talk to her, she's amazing. She's helping me as well. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, it's about me. Like everything that I've experienced, I've attracted and I've manifested and I am the common denominator. So I I needed to look in the mirror and start working with myself. Yeah, and what what you're talking to, I, I you know, I often talk to to people about where all around you, the world can feel like it's falling apart, or you've entered into this blame itis triangle where it's everyone else's fault as to why you're not progressing or achieving or getting what it is that you want. But ultimately, until you can take ownership of yourself, of who you are who you are being and who you want to become, you are constantly going to be striving, proving, striving, proving. It's this constant battle. Mm-hmm. And and that taking ownership is key. So so what what have you taken ownership of? You know, I again you share in the book um, the significant amount of investment, personal development, money that you put into personal development, you know, you share that you weren't actually earning the money, but you were still spending, trying to find the answers. What have, what have you learned through that whole process as part of you, as Erica unleashing her brilliance to the world? What have you discovered? I feel, I have a belief that, you know, um, I don't want to say that things happen to us because we made them happen because the sexual abuse was not my fault, right? Having a mother who physically abused me was not my fault. And Will Smith said it so beautifully. It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility as a grown woman now or a person now to look after that and take uh, take notice that that was your past and that's what happened. Now, who do you want to choose to become because of it? And so I take responsibility for every single thing that happens in my life, in my business, in my body, with my children, you know, in my company, my, my staff know that if something goes wrong, I'm like, my fault. No, no, that was me. No, it's me. Because if I blame it on you, I can't fix it. And if it's something going outside of me, I know that I have the power to say, okay, that's my responsibility. Somehow that happened. Can I look for why and where and when and how that's a benefit to me or how I can use that as a gift to change things? So I feel like uh, investing all of that money, we were really, you know, the quote that says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. 
Uh, and the teacher can be something you don't really love. You know, the teacher can be a hard, you know, a difficult neighbor or someone who physically uh, or sexually or physically hurts you or does something to you. And and to me now, I look at all of my teachers and all of the tough times as because of that, I became this, you know, because of that difficult experience, I learned about this positive thing. And so I reframed my thinking and it doesn't mean I'm like, oh, amazing. Everything's great. It, sexual abuse doesn't matter. Like, no, that's not okay. And it's not good that it happened, but the reality is it happened. And because it did, who did I become from it? Am I alive? Did I survive? What can I use now in my future? So we found mentors or mentors found us that just popped into our lives. And we just said, yes. And as you said, we had no money. You know, I came to Australia with a credit card. I ended up, you know, uh, with multiple credit cards. We invested all this money on personal development and growth and business mentors, even when I didn't have a business. And I wouldn't, I would do it again. You know, obviously now we're debt free, but that was, that helped me to up level my thinking and my mindset and create tools and ways to process everything I had been through so that I could create now the life that I wanted to and use the bad air quotes things that happened as gems. You know, there's gold to be mined in every single difficult experience. And I think that's what happened for us. Mm, so good. So, so for people that are listening right now that are probably nodding their heads or going, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I do. It's, is there some tips, tools, um, advice from yourself to, to help them go through that phase of acceptance, taking responsibility and actually making that decision around who they are becoming? What, what do you, what advice do you share with your clients or what help do you give your clients? Yeah, I think that I don't believe that none of us need personal development. I, I think every single one of us need to be committed to looking at our lives and looking at the areas that we're not in love with or the areas that we're having issues with. And I say to my clients, look around your life. Like those of you that are listening right now, have a think about your life. Is it your weight, your body, your money, your business, your relationship with your children, the lack of love, or maybe your marriage, you know, the relationship with your family. You look around your own life and every single one of us knows where we need some attention. It's like a light of the dashboard of the car. Like we need petrol. We need this, you know, if you pay attention, your life speaks to you. And so what I say to my clients is once you realize that there's an area you want to work through, then you need to go out there and try to find either coaches, books, tools. I love working with people because if someone like Janine, you've built an incredible business, you're a multiple author, bestseller. If I haven't done that before and I want to, I'm going to look to you because you've walked through the flames. You've already done it. And so I love to find people who have done the things I want to do in my life and let them mentor me or, or, or guide me, you know? Um, and yeah, it costs money and it's an investment and yeah, it takes time and yeah, it feels hard, but nothing that we want should come easy. It's not going to come easy. And so I would suggest that if you're going through something right now where you're not happy in your life or you feel like you've went through some difficulties and you're not managing it, I would look for either a coach or a therapist or a, a community where people are there supporting you. Um, it's going to cost money. You're going to have to invest in yourself. I didn't have the money. We created the money. We actually put it on cards. And I always say to my clients, I wouldn't recommend it, but I would do it again because I know what it gave me. Like the investment in ourselves is the best ROI that we're ever going to get, you know, investing in our minds, investing in, in, in shifting how we think and how we feel. So 
that's what I say to my clients is finding a tribe, finding a coach, finding someone to guide and lead you, and then being committed to a, a growth mindset, being committed to every day, you know, what are you watching on television? Are you watching television? Why? Are you are you reading books that make you feel good? Are you connecting with people in your life that actually light you up? Are you doing things that you love or doing things that your parents told you you should do or society told you, but you know inside you're miserable? Like that voice, that internal voice that maybe is a whisper right now, giving it some airtime so you can really tune into what is important to you and tune out the noise that is around us because that is the only thing that we have is our inner voice, our inner guidance. We know when we're not happy, we could just feel it. So if we are committed to tuning into that and then going outside and seeking the help and vibing with people, like I, I swear, I, I have a pink wall. I'm obsessed with pink. I only help women. Um, I'm very clear on who I am and who I'm not. So people come and go, I love her. Or they go, oh, no way. She's not for me. And I love that. So find the person that's for you, that resonates with what you need. I love that. And, um, you know, for anybody listening that has not met, met Erica, she absolutely lives and breathes this. And as an example, recently, um, you shared, I think it was on your Instagram story, um, somebody that had not even given you a rating as some feedback. And your message was, this is one of the best reviews I've had. Um, and it talks to that taking ownership of who you are and who you are not. So who who is Erica? You know, who is she? Why does she do what she does? What is it that's firing up your belly right now? Yeah, that's such a good question. I actually don't, I always say to people and they hate this, they hate that I say this. I feel like women get really triggered. So if you're triggered about this, good, right? Look at this, right? I feel like I don't know who I am. And I feel like none of us know who we are. I feel like we, we are constantly uncovering the stone of who we think we are. And then we go, oh, I'm not that. And then we grow and we evolve. So I don't know who I am. I'm, I hope I never know who I am. You know, I hope you, listener, never know who you are. I hope you're constantly questioning who you think you are and questioning what you think you believe and questioning, you know, this is who I am and what I do. It's like I shifted so much in 2020, as all of us did, that I was like, wow, my ego took a back seat. She got a loving bitch slap and she sat at the back of the bus because I'm like, I do this. This is what I do. I do live events, rah, rah, rah. And then COVID hit. So it was like, oh, wow. And I just really got to see how rigid I was being and how in love with my product and service I was. And it was the best because I went, oh, wow, I can also do this. And now I want to do that. And now I don't believe that because I listened to someone who had credibility and they shifted my mindset. So I don't really know who I am, but I know what I'm passionate about. And I think the biggest thing that I'm passionate about is women understanding and knowing that there is nothing fundamentally wrong with them, that everything they've experienced was meant to be an experience for them. And that instead of being upset with what they got, going, what can I turn this into? Who can I become from this? Um, knowing that no one is confident, that that's not a thing we we are. Like, I'm not confident. It's a practice that I'm committing to. And there are days where I feel like crap and there, no one's going unscathed in this journey of confidence. You know, uh, I'm sure every single woman in the world has doubted themselves when they're about to get on a big stage and an even bigger stage. It's like, oh my gosh, we all have this. So I just want women to remember 
you know, as you say, their brilliance, remember how magnificent they are and remember that there's nothing wrong with them and that this is the journey where you're supposed to doubt yourself. You're supposed to feel scared. It's part of it. You don't get to have that without this, you know, that duality. Mm. Yeah, I I talk about the fact that brilliance is a choice. Mm. It's a discipline and it's a practice. And in that, you know, it is that message of there's no end here. It's this constant growth because if you believe you reach an end, you're snapping yourself straight back into comfort zone. Yeah. And, you know, actually when you feel nervous, when you feel a lack of confidence, when you're worrying about can I do this, maybe actually that is the sign that you're about to go on a growth phase. Um, But what we hear is people using that as an excuse to stay still. It fuels their procrastination. It stops them moving forward where if we could just reframe it and go, okay, my my little inner voice is telling me I can't do this, so it must be something new I'm learning. How awesome would it be? How awesome would it be? Have you always... You know, you look at you and, and you know, I'd love, I wish we were on video right now because I imagine your hands are moving like crazy and you're probably jumping around your studio because you're so full of energy. Um, where have, Do you reckon you've always been that confident or do you also, you know, are you, is, it, is it a constant growth piece in your world too? Is it a constant evolution? When, actually, let me flip it. When was the last time you got really frightened, really scared about your capability? Um, when I was about to go and speak on a clubhouse stage in a clubhouse room, my heart racing. And I felt like I was going to have an anxiety attack and I've never had an anxiety attack. I was like, is this what an anxiety attack feels like? My heart was racing. My hands were sweating and my mouth got dry. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Um, for those that don't know, clubhouse is this drop in audio app. And I was so nervous, Janine. I was like, what is happening here. Like, I'm a speaker. This is what I do. And I actually shared that when I got up. I was like, wow. And now I think that because it's a new thing, it's a new platform, there's pressure we put on ourselves to, oh, I'm a speaker. I can do this. It's like, no, this is a different world. This is a whole new thing. So a million percent. I am. I did a terrible, I think it was terrible, but after it ended up being amazing, I really wanted to speak on a business chick stage and they obviously weren't having live events and they had me do a masterclass. And I'm like, oh yeah, how to cultivate confidence. This is my jam. This is what I talk about in my sleep. <laughs> so I got in there and the the bloody go-to meeting thing wasn't working. We tried it, we tested it, whatever. It didn't work. I felt, I've never felt so flustered because I'm really good on my feet. Like I can, I'm very like Gemini, witty, silver tongue. You know, if something messes up, I'm like, anyway, over here. And I do this, do that. And then I don't, I don't worry about it. But I could not focus because I was trying to work the slides and talk and be in two heads at once. And people are looking at me and I'm just like, oh my God, my face started to get red. And I was just like, oh, this is a nightmare. Like I had so much pressure on myself to do well, because maybe if I do well, then they're going to put me on a real stage and I should impress them. And I love business chicks, but like, no, I can put myself on my own stage, first of all. And second of all, I'm here to add value. So why am I stressing and putting all this pressure? And then I sucked for the first 20 minutes, I feel, until I went, hey, everybody, <laughs> these slides are clearly not working and I'm sucking at this. So let's forget about the slides. I have a pink wall. It's going to entertain you. Let's go. And then I used my own example of messing up in the practice of the five C's. And it was like, they were like, that was the best feedback we ever got. That was amazing. And I literally cried when I finished. I just cried. And I was like, 
oh my God, what the hell just happened to me? Like that was the worst thing in the world. And then the messages started coming in and it made me feel great. But at the time I was like, I'm such an imposter. You know, my old belief, which I used to have, that was, you're just a dumb, stupid Spanish girl that's not educated. That used to be one of my big, like really bad beliefs that held me back. And I know that's not true, but that was a belief that I used to carry. Um, Being, you know, a woman of color, a Spanish woman, being a barely graduating high school, not going to college and being surrounded by a lot of rich white people when I grew up in foster care, you know, I just had this, I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent, whatever. And so that carried on and I had let that go. But this day, which was recent, it brought it back. And I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh. And I got on the phone with my coach, who's a dear friend now. And I was crying and I'm like, what the hell was that? And she's like, oh honey, that's just the thin layer of the onion. Wow. Amazing. How exciting. That means you're in the up level. How exciting. And I was like, she's right. Like this had to come now because I'm moving on to bigger and greater things in my life. And if I had walked around with that thin little onion layer, the little white, nasty little layer in the onion, you know, that would have prevented my growth. So I was like, wow, okay. You know, we all need to continuously move. So it happens to me still all the time. Mm. There there was something you said there. I was like two things I'm going to come back to. Um, You talked about the pressure that you put on yourself. Um, Interestingly, I had a similar situation towards the end of last year. I was running, you know, like you, I'm used to speaking on stages to huge, huge audiences. And I was running a free webinar. Um, and I, oh God, the pressure I put on myself, same thing. I got to the end and I went, oh, I sucked on that. And I, the beating self, I equally cried because actually I realized it was the pressure I put on myself plus my desire to be attention out and serve people. Mm. And what was worrying me was I hadn't actually been respectful of their time. Um, but as opposed to it taking me into a deep, dark funk, it was like, okay, what am I going to, how do I take ownership of this and how do I change it for next time? So my next question really relates to that pressure we put on ourselves. What do you see in the work that you do and the people that you work with, um, in terms of the pressure we're putting on ourselves, how is that manifesting itself? Particularly as much as you work with, uh, predominantly women, all women, Mm -hmm. um, I actually would suggest that some of this pressure that hopefully you're going to share will equally apply to some of these beautiful men in our worlds too. So so what are you seeing in terms of the pressure we're putting on ourselves? One million percent. You're right. This this whole podcast is for everyone, right? I, I happen to work with women, but I am married to a husband who coaches men and he tells me everything that he experiences and what he goes through. And so I think that one of the biggest things we do is there's a lot of comparison. You know, there's a lot of, I should be where they are. I should be where that person is. How come I'm not there? And because of social media, which I don't think, you know, I think we blame social media for a lot of things. And we have to remember, we get to choose how we use the tool and it's a neutral a neutral tool. It doesn't have emotions. You know, <laughs> Instagram is neutral. We get to put it. And so I think that we follow people and we listen and we get, um, I guess, inspired or motivated by people that have these big followings or their life looks so shiny and amazing. And they're like, I'm making six figures, you know, in five days I made six figures or whatever. And we think that we're doing it wrong. We think we should be doing it like them. We don't even know what's going on for them. So the first thing I would say is a lot of comparison happens. Um, We compare our chapter one to their chapter 27. And so that starts a lot of this pressure. um, And I've done it as well myself. And it's just a 
recipe for disaster in regards to that. The second part of that is I feel like we want to do so many things and we've all just went through a pandemic that is still going on, you know, and the women that I serve, I have a small mastermind group of business women and they want to be over there, even though they're here. It's like, I want to be over there. I'm like, yeah, but honey, you're here. Yeah, but over there, over there, over there, over there. I'm like, but you are here. So just the fact that you are here and you want to be there, there's so much energy wasted and so much tension being held and so much uh, fight, internal struggle, that then when they need to do something and be productive in their business or show up on social media or create content, they just drained and they have no energy and no focus because their energy is in a fake future where they should be. <laughs> But technically, we're not we're here, you know, so I think that really adds to the pressure of wanting to do so much. Um, yeah. And, and for the men, I think that a lot of it is they need to be the provider, they need to be making all the money, they need to be doing this. And it's a different world now. So I think that, you know, wanting to be where we're not is one of the biggest things that I see with, with the pressure. Yeah. And you talked about um five c's what what is the five c's is that what you teach is you talk about you know what are the five c's that you were referencing yeah so when i talk about confidence and in the book when i said you know confidence feels like shit it's like i talk about confidence as a practice so similar to meditation so if you meditate or you do yoga you know i talk about it like that so confidence is a practice so we never get to meditated you know, you never achieve meditated and then you never have to meditate again. It, meditation is about the practice itself. And so I feel like confidence is about the practice itself. And so I created these like five C's um, and it's not revolutionary. And I say it in the book, it's not this revolutionary process that's so hard and, and complicated. It's really simple. And I just looked at after eight years of working with women in the confidence space and researching and finding out what do the most confident people do, we came up with these five C's. And so it's kind of a step process, like a five-step process that you can go through determine so you can determine where you are to know what the next step is to keep you in the practice of confidence. So basically, instead of you going, I'm too scared, I don't want to do it, and you stop stop practicing, this will get you back into it. So one to five. Um, so number one is is choice. And choice is really about, um, we have many choices. And sometimes we're, we're choosing things that aren't relevant or, or are small, and they're not going to help us get to where we want to go because we want to sabotage or we're scared of making these big, scary decisions. Like I want to quit my job or I want to do a TED talk, you know, and I use that example in the book. So number one is choice. It's like, we all have a choice. What is the big thing that you want to do? The big, scary, oh my gosh, thing that you keep avoiding and not listening to. Let's use the example as a TED talk. So I want to make do a TED talk. Holy crap, I'm already sweating and scared, but let's put it down. So what's your big choice that you want to do? TED talk, bam. And then number two is courage. And when I speak about courage, courage, the definition in the book is your ability to take action while you are shitting yourself. You know, <laughs> courage is like, you are so scared, but you continuously move anyway. So I don't feel like courage is this almighty, amazing thing. I feel like it's actually really scary and really hard to be courageous. But I believe if you're going to do this big, awesome thing or this goal that you have that you've been avoiding, you need to embody courage. And what that looks like is you may fall down. You may trip on the wire when you get on the stage or you may do amazing. It may be awesome and fantastic. Are you willing to move anyway without knowing the end result? That's courage. Um, number three is create. And it's purposely called create and not action. Because if you're not creating, 
If you're not doing something, there is no confidence that's going to get happening. There's no confidence that's going to get created. So big, scary choice. Holy crap. I'm, I'm, I'm so nervous. I need some courage. Now it's create and create is all about what's the one small, tiny thing that you need to do in order to make that big decision happen. So are you someone that's like, I really want to do this Ted talk, but I'm so nervous. I'm so scared. I'm sitting in courage. What do you do now? Go on the website, hit the application, read the Ted talk books. What's the tiny step, right? That we can all take. Um, And it's important because I think we take a lot of action in this day and age where everyone's hustling and doing, and it's out of alignment. So instead of taking all the action, one action that's in alignment is going to get you much further than you doing a bunch of things, burning yourself out. So that's number three, create. Number four is consider. Now you took the action. You did the thing. Consider is all about evaluating. How was it? What happened? Was it a positive result? Was it bad? Was it good? This is where most people say fail. And I really don't like that word because I'm big on language. And if I say I failed, therefore I'm a failure, it makes me not want to get up and try again. It makes me not want to go again. So number four is like, how, do, how was it? Was it awesome? Great. Was it crap? great. What can you learn? So what did you learn? You know, I learned that that guy that I came to Australia for was not a nice guy. You know, there was a lesson in there. So it's like, okay, now that I know what I learned, move on to number five, which is continue and continue is like, go again. What's the next decision that you need to make? Okay. You're scared. What's the action? What, how did that go? Keep going. So I feel like number two, which is courage and number five, which is continue kind of push you as you're moving through the practice of confidence. So if you ever fall down, it's like, Oh, I know what's happening. I'm just in in courage. I'm scared. I need to take a step. I need to actually do something instead of letting myself sit here. Or if you fail and do something that you're not happy with, instead of stopping and never doing it again, you continue and go, okay, let me get back up again. Because the longer you don't take action, the longer you don't try again, the more self-doubt creeps in, the bigger the gap the less you do, the more self-doubt. And it just gets a big, bigger and bigger gap. So I believe that if we continuously stay in this process, we'll continuously be practicing confidence. We'll fall down, we'll get back up, and we won't even notice that we fell. Um, And that's kind of what I talk about with the five C's. And so people can, you know, the listener can go, where are you? Are you in choice? You know, are you in courage right now? Are you in create where you need to do something? Are you in consider where you need to evaluate what you did and how it went? Or are you in continue where you need to commit to continuing the practice of confidence? So much genius in that, Erica. Erica, how does that relate to where you're at here in 2021? If you were to do those five C's on yourself. I think I'm in create right now because I'm really making some new stuff this year. So we're, we're, we're really moving into supporting other women that are coaches and healers and people in service-based businesses. So I'm, I'm launching another mastermind, which I did last year. So I'm in the creation mode. I'm running events and opening up a mastermind and taking applications. And so I'm really in the creation. Uh, and I have to evaluate after the 21st of February to see how I did <laughs> at my event and see how we spoke about what we're offering. Um, yeah, I just, I kind of moved through it now. And so I always know that number five is going to happen. Number two is going to happen. I just need to go, what's the next thing we need to do? So I, I'm re- I feel like I'm really in creation mode right at the moment. Um, next month, I might be in reflection mode, number four, you know. Mm. And when you, when you look at your work um, and, you know, the hundreds, if not thousands of people that you have influenced already well a million downloads of your podcast right so your message is resonating what do you think if you could pinpoint um what it is about how you are presenting yourself to the world 
the message that you are sharing, what do you think it is? What What is the key thing? And then my next part of that question is, what is your wish? You know, what do you want to be remembered for in terms of the work that you're doing? You are so good, first of all. Your questions are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you're amazing. Oh, okay, so why do I think? I think the number one thing... Yeah. Um, I say it in this funny analogy because I'm obsessed with analogies, but I say I get metaphorically naked on the internet. So it's not, I'm not really getting naked, but I feel like I metaphorically strip everything down and people see me, you know, I I show all of me, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the trauma, the this, the that. And so I feel like the number one thing that I do for my audience is make them feel safe. Uh, I feel like they feel seen, heard, and validated. Uh, I have this quote that I say that's like, perfection erodes connection and vulnerability creates connection. And so what that means is I don't have a perfect Instagram. I don't look perfect all the time. My nails are messed up. I talk about poo. I talk about motherhood and how hard it is. You know, I talk about things that most of us want to keep together. We don't want to say that stuff because we don't want to sound crazy. And I'm like, no, uh, we are all crazy. All of uh, all of the life has the good and the bad and the ugly. And so I guess I am probably the realest person that you will find on the gram <laughs> because I share it all. And I love that. And because I do that, I then attract women who go, oh, wow, you saw me. Now let me open up to you. And then we create this beautiful community where everyone's open and sharing and no one's trying to get it right. No one's trying to be perfect or be the best. We're just human and we're sharing real human things. And so I feel like that's been the the the... I don't know, the key to the brand and how, and our growth and our following. And, and cause it's like a cult follow. People listen to the podcast, they tag me, they share. I have so many DMs and I respond to them, which is probably part two. I really love my community and I don't see them as followers. I see them as people that are there and want to engage with me. And so I respond to my DMs. It takes me forever, but I do. And I think it's that like they, the no like trust is really big for me um, because of that. Yeah. Excellent. So the impact that you want to make, what do you want to be remembered for? I, I don't I don't know if I want to be remembered for. It's more like I want to be an example of what's possible for women when we are brave enough to look at our lives, unravel and unpack it, question our thoughts, question how we think and what we believe so that we can actually create what we want. So despite your past, despite whatever's happened to you, if it's been an amazing background or it was a hot mess like mine, like no matter what's happened to us, I I want, I guess, women to see that anything is possible if we're willing to do the work for it. And so I want to be the example. I want to show that by my life and model that to my children and model that to the women of the world um, because I'm not special and I'm not educated and nothing is perfect about me. So that's kind of the, it's not really what I want to be remembered. I I guess they're going to remember me how they do, but I guess that's my big mission is like being the example of what's possible for someone looking, going, wow, if she can do that, there's no way in hell why I can't do that as well. I love that. Be the example. So thinking about, as we sort of start wrapping this up, thinking about all of the people that have contributed and been part of you becoming the person that you are becoming, um, who is the example that you look to? Who is the person that that has had such a massive impact on who you are being and who you are becoming? Who is that person and why? Well, I think my husband, if I'm if I'm honest, because he's so 
he's so amazing and so loving and caring and kind. And he's always been really kind and patient. And I am like, we say I'm the, he's the tortoise and I'm the hare. <laughs> so we get to the same red light, but I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, Hey honey, you know, that's me. I'm at the red light, like crazy. And he's like, Oh, Hey babe, why, why'd you cut all those people off? Like we're at the same red light. So that's what it feels like to me. He feels like an old wisdom soul uh, as much as he's my husband and I adore him. He's also a dear friend and I just feel so safe with him. And, and he just like showcases what it is to be an integral human that is continuously humble, like just humble and caring for themselves. Like he's just really is the example for me. He, we have a joke that it's like, he's Gandhi, like just be Gandhi. And it's really hard to be Gandhi. You know, I've been Gandhi for two weeks. When are you going to blah, 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 blah. He's like, you know, he's being Gandhi. He's not counting how many days Gandhi doesn't do that. So he's just being it. And then you finally go, man, what are you drinking and eating and reading? And can you help me? Cause you're just so, he's just it being, you know? Yeah. So my husband for sure. I just love that. And I think you said earlier a Gemini, is that right? Yeah, I'm a Gemini. Say, yeah, so I'm a Gemini too. And I feel like the hair in our business and I'm racing ahead. And Jason stands there watching so many times and then he goes, okay, so where are we starting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not changing again, are you? Like I'm, st- I'm trying to keep up. It's just, I'm giggling as you're saying that. So so you, you know, you met Hamish, your beautiful husband, and you think you said he was your personal trainer. Um, if I were to get him on this podcast now, what would you like to say to him? Oh, gosh. He, what would I say to him? I say it all the time because of my words of, uh, words of um, what's the word called? Uh, the five love languages. I'm like words. So I'm always using words. Um, but basically just, I, I, I would say thank you. You know, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for seeing the, the, the light inside all of the darkness that I felt. Uh, thank you for seeing my potential. Thank you for not judging me. And thank you for, you know, inviting me to step into your world of Gandhi and work and, and, you know, inner knowing and, and kindness and humbleness, because that safety that you created for me really allowed me to explore things with no judgment and no pressure. It was a gentle invitation. And so that's who he is. And I just appreciate him and and his gentle invitation that is, you know, his existence. There is so much, so many gems, Erica, in this conversation. Um, You know, I'm going to text one of my clients when we get off this recording that perfection erodes connection. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right, we're seeing it everywhere, that conversation that we had about, um, you know, why you need to take more responsibility for everything Mm. and who you are becoming it's not accepting as it was right but it's taking responsibility for the next choice that you make and you know that whole conversation we had around your advice to give the inner voice that is telling you that something's not right giving it the airtime so that you can pay attention because um, as you said your life is already speaking to you and to constantly question who you are and who you are becoming. Mm. Um, and your, you know, your, bo- your book is incredible. Uh, Confidence Feels Like Shit, uh, which they can find, uh, people can find if they, how, what, how do they find it? You were saying earlier that it's selling on Amazon. 
where else can people find the book? Yeah, so they can find it on Amazon. They can find uh, the Kindle as well on Amazon or Booktopia um, around the world and also thequeenofconfidence.com if you want it wrapped in pretty pink uh, <laughs> paper and signed. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to Erica's podcast. Erica, as we wrap up, um, you know, my passion, this podcast is an inner belief that all of us have more brilliance in us than we are currently bringing to the world. And I absolutely believe that in our hearts and minds exists the brilliance to become more. And it's actually what the world needs right now. It's what the world needs. It's what our community needs. It's what our families need. Our businesses need all of us to to step up and actually start becoming the person that we are supposed to be. What I'd love uh, you to do is wrap up this podcast in terms of from your perspective, um, what does Unleashing Brilliance mean to you? Well, I think it's it's such a great name for your podcast and book. I think it's it means you're not fearing the greatness that is inside of you. It means you're not questioning yourself and saying, who am I to do this? It reminds me of the Marianne Williamson quote, you know, our deepest fear. And if you haven't listened to that quote, please, when you finish listening to this, go and check her quote out because it is an embodiment. This podcast, your message, Janine, is an embodiment of that quote, which is, you know, we don't need to fear our greatness. We all have that. And my great doesn't take away from her greatness or his greatness. We all have our own pedestals and stages and spotlights, and we were created to shine. And so I really invite every single one of you to shine as hard as you can, not because it's going to blind someone else, but because it's going to set the way someone is going to be able to see because you have done that and you've paved a way. Um, and I just want to acknowledge you, Janine, because you've paved the way for so many incredible leaders and amazing business owners and women and myself. And so thank you for the work that you do and how you show up so beautifully, so eloquently, and so incredibly inspiring. Oh, thank you, Eric. And right back at you. Um, thank goodness for all the work that you've done and your uh, inner intentionality to constantly serve the people that come into your world. It's it's just such a joy to see you shining. And I cannot wait uh, to see where you go. You absolutely have me in your corner as your promoter, uh, as your teacher, as your butt kicker. Um, now your work is incredible and it really is that together we can achieve so much more. So thank you so much for your time, Erica. Uh, finally, how can people get hold of you if they want to find out more? Yes. So I'm on Instagram all the time, uh, at the queen of confidence, I am also my website, thequeenofconfidence.com. I'm not really on LinkedIn much, but please, if you're there, come say hello. Uh, also, the podcast is called The Confidence Chronicles Podcast. And I'm on Clubhouse as well because I'm an addict like everyone else. <laughs> Thanks so much, Erica. It's been an absolute joy chatting with you. Um, I think we're going to have to get you back, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Janine. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.